Welcome to episode 284 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. We are halfway through the year. Do you feel confident that you're halfway to meeting all your 2022 business goals? I can't wait to celebrate your successes. One way I can support you is to invite you to join the Content and Connection Club, an intentional community of abundant-minded entrepreneurs where you can ask questions, get support, find friends, make referrals, and celebrate your wins. I'll share more details at the end of this episode, or you can go to Content and connectionclub.com to find out how you can get all the resources, networking events you need for just $25 a month. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest is a certified virtual event professional who clears the tech headache from virtual events so his clients can deliver an engaging message. As the founder of Com Clear Communications, he produces virtual events for professional organizations. He has over 25 years of experience supporting business communication and technology strategy, and has worked with corporate executives, compliance officers, and small businesses. He excels at engagingly conveying complex concepts. He is involved in TEDx Detroit and Toastmasters and hosts Calm Clear Conversations, a LinkedIn Live interview show. To round out his modern-day Renaissance man talents, he is also a professional voice actor. Please join me in welcoming Christopher G. Johnson. Thank you so much, Robbie. Christopher, it is awesome to have you here joining us from your home in Detroit. Um, you and I have gotten to each other quite a bit over the last couple of years, but um, I have a feeling I'm going to learn more about you today. Uh, this is a show about building strong networks and the context, as you know, is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? One of the big components of leadership is the ability to teach and engage and nurture and help others to grow. I didn't think I had any of those things. However, I had a knack for tech and I discovered my own type of leadership, my own brand of leadership through my comfort and facility with tech. Can I solve a problem? Absolutely. Here's how you do that. And being able to calmly identify and fix or remediate or just make the situation a bit better using tech has been the cornerstone of my professional career. So interesting that, um, you know, it's always a struggle, like if you're a solopreneur and you're not leading a team, like how do you answer this question about leadership? But Leading comes in so many different forms, and it's one of the reasons I love asking this question on the show. And so, for you, uh, you know, your your definition was about teaching and guiding, and I think you know helping people kind of be their best selves. And technology often is a hindrance to to that process um, when it doesn't have to be. And that's a, a, a leadership role that you play. I want to I want to ask you a little bit more about kind of your own trajectory in this because you know, while maybe you didn't originally think you had any of these skills and curious kind of who you were growing up. Like if we roll back the clock to, I don't know, the playground, um, you know, high school, like 
what what were you like then? Were you running for office? Were you um, organizing kids in the playground, or were you kind of quietly watching everything else unfold around you? I was a quiet observer. As a kid, I was a geek. I know, shocking. I was also a bookworm. One of my favorite toys growing up were those 101 electronic kits where there were spring clips and wires and you could build a whole host of things. I could play with that all day. Or, all right, I was put on a book budget as a child. What's a book budget? Both my parents were teachers. And when the Scholastic application came out for ordering books in class, the very first time, order whatever you want. They didn't make that mistake again. Okay, buy one, one. Because with that initial purchase, I wanted probably 12 or 15 books. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was you. Is that, that's how, how you showed up in the world. Were you also good at school? Was that a part of the, the gift that came with, with being studious? Good reader. Yes. And no, I was good when I was engaged, when I was not bored. An example of this in high school, one of my favorite classes was physics. Physics one, which is a foundational course for physics two. Physics one I barely passed, barely. I sat up front, I took notes, I did not study one bit. Physics two, I averaged 110%. And the teacher pulled me aside and said, what's going on? I said, oh, we do experiments, this is fun. Yeah, you, you needed more than what you were getting on that first uh, version of the class. Yeah, and in, in physics one, it was all book in theory, and there was no experimentation. The, the equations that needed to be memorized, it was, they were just static things. They didn't, they didn't root themselves in my understanding by application. Um, I remember statistics. I learned statistics and I had a really hard time understanding that. And then I took a class where they were, it was applied statistics. It was based, you know, it was, it, was, it had meaning. And I, I agree with you. Like there's just some concepts that don't come to life until they are applied something to something, which actually it, it sounds like a lot of what you do today. Like there's a through line there. Now heading, heading from high school was, was college part of the picture? Was that part of the plan? It was. And my very first major was architecture because architecture had been my major in high school. The high school I went to had uh, a variety of fields. I selected architecture because it was at the top of the list. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have any preconceived ideas. And in college, I discovered I did not have a knack for it. Wait, wait. So you're saying <laughs> your high school required you to pick a, a, a basically a focus of study. Yes. And there was an alphabetical list. And first in that list was architecture. So if, if it hadn't been there, you would have done art. <laughs> like, Well, all right. So my choice, my preference uh, would have been performing arts. My second choice would have been music. 
And my parents said, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. And are, are you doing any of the performance arts now? I mean, I guess the, the vocal uh, work that you do and you've been acting. So, all right, I'm going to come back to that because it's really interesting to see where the origin stories of all this comes from. What you said your very first major, what did you eventually settle on? What, what did you think you were going to be as you graduated and went out into the world? Well, with that first major, the reason I decided to make a change was because I worked really hard on something and the teacher said, that design is kind of boring. I'll give you a C. And I, the relationship between effort and grade was missing. So I threw a dart and it landed on computer science and I changed to that major. I yeah. took every computer class they offered. I started I don't working you, in the lab. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, uh, I took a class my senior year of high school um, to learn Pascal. Um, and at the time it was like a really big deal of language and banks were using it and, you know, and uh, there were six of us in the class, which was a big deal because I graduated the class of 1300. So six means it was like the smallest class I ever had in, in high school. Uh, and three of the people in my class, uh, were the first, the third and the fifth in the class of 1300. So they would get done with the assignment in like minutes and then they were working on a video game <laughs> and I was six out of six in effort and uh, skill. And I didn't last in that class very long. My parents really thought I was going to get into computer science, but that kind of, um, that kind of took the wind out of my sails, <laughs> but I was in a business management class at the same time. And that is where I fell in love and understood more about that. Um, so yeah, I, I get you on the wanting to learn more. I'm taking like adult ed classes and all of that. But you made a career of it. Like you actually went into the into computer science after that. Well, all right. Tell me more. <laughs> I I did take every computer class they offered, and I started working in the computer lab. And the trouble that I got into, similar to your Pascal class, the teacher would make an assignment. We would usually have two weeks to do it. I turn it in the next class. That does not win you friends, theoretically. Well, because the teacher was, why am I giving you all two weeks? Johnson just turned it in. Ouch. Yeah, so I didn't do that anymore. And I would wait till, I would wait till the day it was due to start. <laughs> Ouch, that's not a good plan either. <laughs> well, Here's the thing, though. By working in the computer lab, I saw where people were having problems. Now, what I did in the lab is help people, huh, I see a theme, solve their computer problems. They were usually syntax in a variety of languages. Sometimes the column that things are in matters. Sometimes it is how you phrase it. Is it... Um, how do you make a not equal sign in a particular language? Okay. How do you code this if then else? Oh, a go-to. Well, that's going to be a problem because of this. So by the time it was due, I had written it in my head and I just had to sort of type it out. It is interesting uh, that you just had a moment of reflection that you have been uh, helping people solve tech issues since, ever. Yeah. since way back. <laughs> And so 
The problem, though, the, uh, not the problem, what happened as a result, when I only had math classes left, like numerical analysis, one and two, differential equations, one and two, calculus four, uh, mathematical model building, I really didn't want to take all those math courses. I didn't see a point to it. I do now. I don't have any regrets, but I, I, I have a firm enough grip on mathematics. It's like, oh, huh, maybe that course would have been beneficial. Oh, well. So I changed majors again. And this time I thought, if I could do the most fun thing, what would I do? And by this time, I was already working in the computer field because there was a shortage of people with skill in computer science. And the place I worked was willing to provide tuition reimbursement. So if I could pick anything, I picked broadcast communications. And everyone listening suddenly goes, oh, that makes sense with that voice. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So tell me more about uh, where you went next then. Upon, well, let's see. While I was working toward my degree, I started working in a uh, small station in Port Huron. Working at a small station in Port Huron, WPHM, it was an adult contemporary station with sports. I wowed my program director on the very first day because I could do math. When I started, he said, okay, just, you know, going over the things and you need, I'll tell you what, you tell me how many songs do you need to get between here and the top of the hour? And it's like, okay, I'll pick that one, that one, and that one that gives me 13 minutes and 47 seconds. Station ID is going to be seven seconds. Okay. And that math, doing that in my head, he was like, oh, we're fine. <laughs> as an aside, he mentioned casually as he's on his way out the door, oh, by the way, there's seven minutes of sports that you need to do at six. That is when fear and panic grabbed a hold of my heart. I'm not a sports guy. And you had to say something for seven minutes. Seven minutes. Did someone so write just, it for you or did you have to write it? Well, yes, and. I grabbed some stories off the Associated Press because there was an Associated Press feed for the station. I picked about seven minutes worth of stories. And although I was still in a bit of panic, I got through it. But the type of person that I am, I started a subscription to Sports Illustrated. I started listening to sports radio because I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about when I had to do seven minutes of sports a week. Did you end up ever liking sports? It's not a dislike of sports. It is, well, baseball... I can go to a few games a, a year and appreciate it. But studying the roster of the various teams, eh. Yeah. Uh, so the, 
the interesting thing, or one of the interesting things at that time, the Red Wings were always in the playoffs. The Red Wings had a a line of players that were, of, well, let's see, a lot of Russian names, a lot of names from uh, Ukraine. Not always the easiest to roll off the tongue. Mm-hmm. I Got practiced. It. You practiced. I, I practiced because I wanted to get them right. I mean, this is, again, who you are and who I've known you to be. So folks who are listening should know that um, you and I met back in 2020, I'm thinking. Yes. And then you, you, uh, you came into my 5% Advantage program. And actually, I'm kind of curious because by then you'd already lived a life and you had a whole career. So you, you, did, you did broadcast management. There's, there's a moment in your story where it shifts to you being an entrepreneur and, I, and I'm like owning your own business and it's relatively recent. Um, and it, it's tied, I believe, to the pandemic. Is that true? Like, It is. So what were you doing before your most recent reinvention? Before my most recent re- reinvention, I was an IT auditor. This is one of those necessary jobs that I never knew existed. Please continue. <laughs> Think of it this way. So there's, there's the IT part, which is always fun. People are happy to see IT because you can fix a problem. IT audit is almost the opposite. You're going to find a problem, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And after working for years in IT, I was curious about IT audit. So I obtained a certification from ISACA, uh, the Certified Information System Auditor. And what that is, people look at how things are set up. For instance, who has access to the ID and password for this particular account? Does that account have only the rights they need? So least privilege would be a thing. Mm-hmm. Is the system secure. Companies place reliance on their computer systems. IT auditors make sure those systems are reliable. You sound like a commercial. This is beautiful. I feel like I want an <laughs> IT auditor for my own business. Oh, you hey, do. So was, was there a, a choice about leaving that to, to do your own thing? Was that a, you were like, I'm ready to do this new thing? Or uh, did that job get dissolved in the midst of uh, all the chaos of 2020? It got dissolved in the, yeah, in the chaos. Uh, yeah. And while figuring things out, I was directed to your weekly No More Bad Zoom happy hour. And I saw the appeal of the 5% better. And shortly after that first or second time going, a person reached out and said, I'm looking for someone to produce an event on Zoom. And I thought, I can do that. So I signed up for the 5% Advantage program so I could figure out how to do that. Yeah. You already, you already had a lead on your first prospect <laughs> and now you needed to figure out how to, how to um, actually persevere and uh, fulfill that, that request. Well, and see, here's the thing. That was not scary at all because it is software and it is people helping people use software, piece of cake. I don't have to have 
an expert level of knowledge and sophistication about the software, I have to know enough to get what the user requires. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do find myself, you know, throughout my career, at various points, I've worked with the help desk individuals. Hey, I'm having a problem with this part of the software. And, you know, they, I would call them up. Sometimes they would call me and say, we have another customer that's having this problem. Have you encountered that? And I always liked that because it was a relationship where it's not just a vendor client relationship. It is, Hey, you have a deep understanding. We need a deep understanding. Can you answer this question for us? Yeah. And I would also point out, Oh, all right. So here's what I just saw in the software. Here's a workaround that we're doing. Oh, okay, great. We can make that fix and it'll be in the next couple of releases. Fine. So solving a computer or technology problem with a customer, I knew that I could do that when I signed my first client. What was the part that you were nervous about then? The actual business of it. It's like, okay, great. You have a client. All right. Oh, the, the solving the problem. That's not where I'll spend the bulk of my time. I have to do the books. I am accounts receivable. Yeah, no, it is true. A lot of times, you know, people joke uh, that we leave our, our 50, 60 hour work weeks at an office to work a hundred hours a week for ourselves because we believe in freedom. Well, but here's the fun thing about that. The way I like to describe it is the thing that I do, if that takes 25% of my time, that's fine. Telling people about the thing that I do or talking about the thing that I do is the best. Well, gee, this, since there's something I like to do, talking about it, explaining it, helping people see the benefit of it, that reframing, that reframing makes it a fun thing as opposed to a burden. <sighs> Time to do the part of the business I really don't like. What's that part? What's the, what's the hardest part? Well, uh, you know, the hardest part is the repetition, the making things orderly enough so that it's not a reinvention of the wheel. Systems. Systems, systems. And that is why I enrolled when you set up a year-long mastermind. Mastermind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, uh, Christopher, you know, it's great to see the trajectory of, of how you sort of uh, reintroduced. And, and I'm now trying to remember, I vaguely remember now who introduced you. Um, I'm blanking on it. Do you recall who it was? Diane Darling. Oh, Diane Darling. That's amazing. That wasn't who I was thinking because I've seen you do some uh, collaboration with other folks that we know. And I thought it maybe it was some of them. So thank you to Diane Darling, who is a, a just a networking expert who lives in the Boston area. I've had the pleasure of getting to know a little bit in person as well as online. Um, so shout out to, to Diane. And so, so you're here and then you, uh, you took the 5% advantage program. And one of the things you said to me about why you signed up for my year long program was if, you know, that you sort of were able to 10 X your return on investment doing the, the four week program, what would happen if you invested a year? 
into the building the business part of it because the four-week program was really the technical zoom how-to whereas the year-long is about business growth strategies it's about identifying exactly your client is and um, getting research calls and putting together pilots for new programs new services you know getting the lead generation and the sales conversations all sort of sorted out and tweaked um so you know, you were like, I, I want to do this for real, I guess, you know, because there's sort of the hobbyist a way of getting into a business. <laughs> but you were like, you're like fully committed in. In fact, I was surprised you became an LLC, um, like almost right away. I was like, my God, you know, you're just like, I'm going to dot all my I's, cross all my T's, make this thing happen. As soon as I got a client, I got an LLC. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just, just to make sure that's great. So where are you now? Are you mostly just figuring out who your ideal audience is, or I think you're, you have a lot of clarity now about that. So maybe share a little bit about that because I think who knows where those opportunities can come from. The clarity I'm gaining around that, yes, I, I always enjoy helping people solve technology issues. What are those issues? Right now, a lot of them are in the virtual event space. And, you know, one of the things that how we work together, how you and I work together is with the client engagement, understanding the objective that the client has. You gave a really good example um, regarding a graphic design. If you tell a graphic designer, I want a big pink check mark somewhere in the upper left-hand corner of this graphic. Okay, they can do that. If you tell that graphic designer, I'm trying to capture people and I want them to be engaged this way. I want them to have this idea. Well, once you take the constraints off of your own understanding about graphic design, the graphic designer is free to imagine a whole host of possibilities. And it's the same thing with virtual events. If a client says, I want a this, there's a pause. All right. What is the objective though? And when you can discuss that objective, it's like, oh, well, gee, you know, yeah. a, a recent conversation with a, a client was, all right, yes, no, or nuance. Yes, no, or nuance. So in Zoom, you could have a question that is yes or no. That's a fine question. Nothing wrong with it at all. If you're trying to get a more nuanced answer, then you have more options. There's advanced polling. There are ways to involve other apps. You take the constraints off of, well, gee, all right, so I want to ask this question. Can I make this five different yes or no questions? Do you like it between A and B or B and C? And A and C, well, all right, that sounds more like a poll where you want some sort of gradient. Let's design a poll for that. Mm -hmm. I love this. Yeah. I was taught actually uh, this concept of purpose first design. 
as a way to think about this. And then it's a question of using the technology that you, know, you and I are always learning about on Zoom. And people have asked me, why am I only on Zoom? Like, I'm like, because the Zoom keeps me busy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to learn all these other programs. But the concepts generally also apply to these other programs, whether it's Teams or Blue Jeans or uh, Adobe or whatever it is. Like a lot of it's just best practices for good online facilitation. And then some of it is really understanding the platform, the limitations, the possibilities, the techniques, um, and then helping speakers become more comfortable doing that. Um, and what's really been great about getting to know you is that um, you went through the program, you became a certified virtual event professional through the 5% Advantage program. And then you became one of the people that I subcontract work to on a regular basis when my clients ask me to do concurrent sessions because I'm not Ben-Hur. And I actually do one, I, one time I ran three sessions concurrently for a free event that my friend was running. And I have a ridiculous photo of me wearing three headphones. Um, I only have two ears, so it's an earbud in each ear and then large headphones over both of those <laughs> so that I could be tuned into what was going on. It was auditory overload while I listened for my, my name or panic. <laughs> um, so this has been great is that I now have people, you know, you've got your own client base that you're working to, to pull. And so I, I asked you earlier who this was, and it's, it's professional organizations that have um, ongoing uh, credit learnings or CEUs, that kind of thing, right? It is. Those have been primarily my clients. Yeah. Where they are organizations where their, their members need continuing education credits on a regular basis to maintain their credential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's great. I think it's really important whenever we are thinking about building a business to have that clarity and to get really focused in, because while you and I do very similar things in the world of virtual events, I could refer people to you and vice versa, because there are some events that will fall more or less in our lane and would lead to a better follow on business. Like if I started doing that kind of work, then I would get more of that kind of work. And if that's not what I was trying to do, it's sort of like, well, that's, that's not the referrals I'm looking for. So we want to almost be careful what we say yes to, uh, lest that becomes the thing we're known for. And it's not actually the thing we want to be known for. So like for me, I tend to work with mission-driven organizations that are charities or associations that are doing the kind of work I want to support in the world. And partly I will tell you is, well, I'm a mission-driven person, but <laughs> as you know, we have to sit through all those conversations <laughs> We're the ones who are behind the scenes while the presentations are happening. So it's kind of nice when the presentations are actually a little interesting. Um, <laughs> and I can imagine like wanting to learn this. I've been on a few medical uh, trainings that I've produced and I'm, they're so above my head <laughs> that I'm like, I'm not even a fly on the wall. I'm not even sure why I'm here. <laughs> like, I don't understand anything what's going on here, but they look good on the screen. It's much nicer for me to be supporting like, uh, currently, we're, you and I are both doing Feeding America, California WIC Association, two organizations that I work with a lot that are coming to mind. Um, I like the things I learn about because I'm in the room with them. So I think you know the fact that you have that clarity and you're not just like anyone. You know that's that's been really key. Um, what is uh, what's been sort of most exciting about? And it's been only what 18 months or so since you've really kind of planted your flag. What's been mm -hmm. most exciting about this new development? The most exciting aspect is the continued learning. 
first we find out what's there. Then we find out a workaround to satisfy a client. Then everything changes. Zoom today is different than it was when I started. Everything online is different today than when I started. Now people are far more comfortable in a Zoom or virtual environment. But that doesn't mean they understand it or know how to be engaging or know how to do it well. And, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, I don't see us as competition. It is co-opetition. We do similar things cooperatively. Mm -hmm. I am more than happy to send business your way or to, if you encounter a problem and, and I have an answer, I am happy to answer. And I know the same is true conversely. I also really appreciate when something weird happens, like earlier today, you know, we're talking and I was like, this thing happened on Zoom and you were like, yeah, that is strange. And it's like, oh, okay. I feel better that I'm I'm right that this is wrong because <laughs> I because I know you know enough to be able to confirm my suspicions that, that that's a weird glitch. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it is. And see, that's that's one of those things. Solving something like that or getting something like that is like a itch that needs to be scratched. It is like, huh? All right, I've used four guesses on Wordle was left and is solving a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it speaks to wanting to build a community around you as you're becoming a business owner that have shared interests that you can speak to both about your content that you're creating and the topics that you care about, but also even if that's not their topic, like they're just business owners that like understand kind of those things you're struggling with or questions you have, or can introduce you to a great accountant or I'm actually a little curious about your your network because um, you've had a very interesting career. You've done a lot of different things in the world. We didn't even mention the fact that you do um, you do acting, voiceover, uh, uh, you do audiobook uh, recordings, right? So you you have this whole other world, uh, cr more creative world. Um, you did broadcasting, so how do you think about staying in touch? Because you have that sort of inner circle of people that we're kind of going to, we're going to stay in touch with them because, you know, we'll see each other, we'll catch up, but then there's sort of that second and third tiers out or layers out the people you see once a year at a conference, or you worked with five years ago, but you haven't really had a reason to. And I should mention, these are people you would like, <laughs> you would like to see them because not all people are equal um, when it comes to wanting to see them again. So how are you thinking about sort of staying in touch? Um, you know, nurturing sort of those outer layers of your network, any habits or philosophies or practices that you, you do each week? Stay curious. The, a lot of my friends, it is interesting how many circles are overlapping. So I have friends that I know from IT or business friends that I know from my involvement in the community, from running or uh, working, working the elections. Friends that I know from Second City. Second City used to have a school in Detroit. Second City, Detroit. Keegan-Michael Key would be one of the alum 
as well as Sam Richardson. So I have friends from Second City, friends from a whole host of things. Being curious about where they are and what has transpired since you last encountered them is a way to keep those relationships nurtured. Is there something you're doing in particular to keep track of people? Like, do you have a list or a spreadsheet or just like as people come into your minds or do you have like, are you searching that for people on Facebook or LinkedIn? Like, how are, how are you thinking to about sort of keeping top of mind or having people to stay top of mind with you? All right. I can't resist. Yes. And. Okay. Go for it. So all of that. Yes. And yes, I, I do have a Butter. spreadsheet. Yes. I, one of the wonders, one of the wonders of social media is the ability to have many loose ties, people you don't see on a regular basis, but you smile when you think about them. You smile when they bubble up. Oh, so-and-so just did this. I need to reach out. I need to say hi. I need to congratulate them. Nice. Uh, and actually, part of going through the current program with me, um, Wake Up Your Network, the mastermind program, the year-long program, is you start pulling together a list of people to actually start having conversations with. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your process with that, because that was a more specific reason to pull together a list. And I, you know, I feel like you're, you're starting to get some traction because of it. I am. And I will say initially it was daunting because I'm an introvert. And my first thought when the assignment was given, I don't know that many people. I really don't have a big network. But then when you started listing out, it's like, oh, well, if I only contact just my runner friends, huh? Well, that's still a reasonable number. If I only contact the people I know from improv, oh, okay. And then the snowball effect, adding other organizations and entities in there. And when you see that whole list, it's like, all right, I have a starting point that's not zero. I have more people that I have connections with that I can reach out to. So then the next thing for me was just overcoming the inertia of, all right, a body at rest stays at rest until acted upon. The impetus to act upon is the desire to help people with their technology issues or problems and grow my business. So it's not, it's not reaching out to pitch a product or service that I don't believe in. It is not a, the uh, stereotypical used car salesperson. It is an honest curiosity and seeing where your curiosity and the ability to solve a problem meet. How have those calls been going for you? They've been going reasonably well. So there have been a few that have said, yes, let's schedule something. Others where it is primarily a catch up. Oh, I will keep you top of mind for, and you know, that's really where you want to be just top of mind. Uh, with advertising, 
there is not one company that shows one ad and then nothing else the rest of the year. It's nice that you had that ad at Super Bowl, but well, come August, no one remembers it. No one remembers who was in the Super Bowl. It is the persistent reminder that you provide this ability, this service, this solution, and having that be top of mind for the people that can connect you. Yeah, it's uh, once actually on this show, someone helped me with this phrase. It's not who you know or what you know, it's who knows what you know. And then I like to add on, and will they remember you? Right. So who knows what you know and will they remember you? Because that's the key. So that's exactly. where I think social media plays a big role in that. Um, and, you know, sending out emails and, and just sort of nurturing people that way. And then you're doing a more thoughtful uh, kind of research call set of, you know, a really tight time frame of I'm going to reach out to a bunch of people right now, which is hard to do. It's hard to get off, you know, off the, like you said, like a body at rest and start doing it. Um, but I hope it yields amazing results. I'm excited to see where it goes. And speaking of where it goes, um, if we were uh, going to remember a year from now that we had had this conversation and I turn to you, Christopher, and I say, hey, it's been a year since we had that interview. Um, what have, you know, what's been going on and what are we celebrating? I want to know what we're going to be toasting that we're going to be so excited about a year from now. What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? learning something new and different in a way to solve problems. The virtual event space is not going to go away. You know, I was having a conversation with a few folks today and they like the ability to go to conferences and meetings and things of that nature from the comfort of their home. So yes, travel is still a wonderful thing but not everything needs to be a trip. Uh, a young lady I was talking to, she said she had her million miles on the airline by the time she was 30. And now she does most of this on virtual events. Uh, so this space isn't going away. I think there will be greater functionality, greater engagement, more metrics, solving the or building the bridge between engagement and customers and these virtual event spaces that is where i will be a year from now all that that entails what the new features functions and capabilities are and how that measures or matches up to the client's requirements that's awesome. I can't wait to celebrate that with you. I, I totally see that you're bought into the idea of getting 5% better every time you host, every time you produce, every time you speak. You know That continuous improvement model means that it's really hard to even look ahead a year and know what that will look like because it's going to be a compounded effort, right? Like, you know, this is, this is like a starting point. And then there's a, a year of 5% each better each time. Um, can have just tremendous results. It's been really awesome talking to you. And what I'd love to know is how can people find you and follow your work? All right. As of last check, there are 32,413 Christopher Johnsons. I am Christopher G. Johnson 
on LinkedIn. The name of my company is Calm Clear Communications. Either of those, uh, look me up on those social media networks. Um, we'll have your link to comclearcommunications.com in the show notes as well as to your LinkedIn. And I believe you're on Twitter. We'll have I all those on, links in the yes, show I notes. Yes, I am on Twitter. Wonderful. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> we'll have that at ontheschmooze.com. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. A pleasure, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christopher. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 284. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, my new membership group has gotten off to a great start. I'm excited to share that over 70 people have joined the Content and Connection Club, an intentional community of abundant-minded entrepreneurs where you can ask questions, get support, find friends, make referrals, and celebrate your wins. For just $25 a month, you get access to thousands of dollars of content you can dive deeper into at any time. Guidance from me on which topic you personally should focus on each month. No more bad Zoom virtual happy hours every Friday, every single week for at 5 p.m. Eastern. Online discussion forums on topics that will help you grow your business. Ongoing training and tips from me on the topics you request and answers to your specific questions during the extensive live Q&A sessions every Friday. Yes, just $25 a month and half the proceeds will be donated to Feeding America to support neighbors facing food insecurity. Are you ready to join the Content and Connection Club? Sign up at contentandconnectionclub.com and we can hang out every Friday. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.